Thank you, Mara. That was beautiful. Appreciate it. Today we are going to be um, hearing a probably a familiar story. Laura touched on this in her children's moment, but we're going to hear the story of the woman at the well. And so we're going to be looking at John's Gospel, chapter 4. And I expanded the passage today a little bit more than what we're originally going to do. We're going to hear the whole story. So we're going to do John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So we'll have the words on the screen, but I invite you to follow along in your own personal Bible that you have with you, whether it's on your phone or an actual hard copy Bible. I invite you to do that. And I also invite you to stand as you're able in body and spirit in honor of reading of the gospel passage. So John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So he came to Samaria, a Samarian city called Sintra, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And Jews don't share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was or who it is as saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well with his sons and his flocks that drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. Or drink of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I give them will never be thirsty. And the water that I give will become in in a spring gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me a drink of this water so that I may never thirst again or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right. And saying, I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. So what you have said to me is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and, and now here, when the true worshipers will gather the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He'll proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am He, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came, and they were astonished when He was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking to her? Then the woman that left her water jar and went back to the city said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He he cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples, uh, I have food that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely... No one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do not say four months more, then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around and see the fields are ripe for harvesting. 
The reaper is already uh, receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and the other reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for what we have heard ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So how many of you have been to Disney World? Aha, uh-huh, yeah. How many of you have been to Disney World more than once? See, I didn't think I'd ever have to raise my hand on that comment because I've always said, I've told my family, hey, look, we're going to go to Disney World, I promise. We'll go when our youngest one can remember it. And that way we only have to go once to go to Disney World. And I lived by that saying. I said, you know what, we'll go once and we'll make it big. We'll buy the T-shirts, we'll take all the pictures, we'll do all the dining experiences, see all the princesses and princesses. We'll do it all. We'll go to all four parks, we'll live it up big, we'll go to Disney World, but we'll do it only once. So in 2019, we had the wonderful opportunity to go to Disney World with my wife's family, all of them. Okay, Her sisters, even her brother nieces and nephews, mom and dad, we all went, blew it up big. Okay? I think it was like 18 of us or whatever. Okay, It's a large group. And we had a blast. Okay? We did all the parks, rode all the rides, we did all the dining experiences, took all the pictures, we made t-shirts, matching t-shirts for each day, all of it. Okay? And so we had what was called the Disney Experience. Okay? There's even an app now when you go to Disney World called My Disney Experience app or whatever, okay? Because it is an experience, okay? And we did it. We did it big. And after the trip, I said, all right, guys, I hope you had fun because that's the only trip that I am helping pay for and coordinate for Disney. If you want to go again, you're on your own, okay? I had the Disney experience. We blew it up big. Well, two years later... My mother-in-law said, you know what, I want to take the older cousins to Disney. And my wife and I talked about it. And I was like, you know, I said we'd only go once. But she's going with the older cousins. Maybe we can, maybe we can just go and tag along. This person who said he was only going to go once. And so here we go again, two years later. Little did I know, I'll be up for another Disney World trip and for a whole Disney experience. And yet again, we blew it up big. Did all kinds of rides, went to all the restaurants, did all the things. And I tell you what, Hollywood Studios is, I like Animal Kingdom. I'll back up because it's very shaded. It's got a lot of cool things to look at. But Hollywood Studios has Star Wars. I mean, come on. That, that's pretty awesome. And like, we were going at the time where all these cool Star Wars things were coming out and getting those cool rides. So we had a grand time. So yet again, we had the Disney experience. Okay, the whole family, we went, blew it up big, did it all. And I said, all right, guys. We're done. Seriously. We've done it twice in two years. We've gone to Disney World. Okay? We went before COVID and after COVID. All right? So we're good. Well, then my daughter, she does this thing called competitive dance. 
And in the summer times, they like to go and do this national competition. Let me, I'll let you guess. Where is nationals? Orlando. What's in Orlando? Disney World. So yet again, here we are. My daughter makes nationals. Her team goes, and they're going to go to Orlando. And I said, oh, all right, let's just buy one day at the parks. Just one day at the parks, because we're going to be so busy competing. Just one day, we'll, we'll pick our parks and go. We'll get the schedule, and it finds out that we've got this chunk of time in the competition where there's no dancing going on, but we can't leave, so we've got to come back for... So we added more days. Here we go again. The Disney experience, okay? And I'm going to Disney World three times in three years. And this is the dad that said, we're only going once, okay? So dad's out there. Be careful what you say with Disney World. If you're going once, guess what? You might be like me going year after year, okay? And I will say Disney has grown on me to now I actually like Disney World. And I will probably go back again if it happens. I don't know if it'll happen. But it will probably happen again. And Melissa, who has been one of our trip planners, will be excited to know that I'll probably go back again and she'll plan the trip. But the whole thing at Disney, though, when you go, those that have been, you'll, you'll know, it's, it's an experience. It's an immersive experience. You go and it's like you're entering into a fantasy world. They do such a great job of designing these parks and the, the things that are in there. When you go to Star Wars and Hollywood, you feel like you're actually on the movie set. You're actually there. There's people walking around in Stormtrooper outfits and Chewbacca's walking around and they're in character and you feel like you're actually there, you know, like in the scene of Star Wars. Or you go to Pandora, like an Avatar, and you feel like you're there. It's just, I don't know how to explain it if you hadn't been there, but it's just an experience, okay? And there are many experiences that we have in life, Right? Good ones, not so good ones. But the good ones and the not so good ones shape us in who we are today. They do. Your life experiences shape who you are today. If you were born in a different part of the world, you'd have a whole different experience and a whole different worldview than if you were born here in America, right? Your experiences shape who you are. And the same holds true with our faith. Your experiences in your faith shape your faith journey and how you see the world and how you see God. And so in our series that we're going through, those of you who've been with us and those of you who are just joining us today for the first time, we're going through a series called Balance. And in Balance, in the series, each Sunday, we look at a different way as Wesleyans, as United Methodists, on how we theologically reflect and theology, I always like to say, theology is the study of God. I mean, there's tons of definitions out there that are wordier and, and, and prettier than that. But if you boil it down, theology is the study of God. And so when you look at your theological perspective, your th the way you reflect the uh, theologically, is how do you see God? Well, in our church, we use basically these four uh, pillars... To look at God, and that is Scripture, and we've preached on Scripture already. So we, when we read Scripture, we see God, we hear God, we feel God through our traditions. And I'm talking about big traditions that go way back to the disciples, apostles in that day and age. Okay, And we look at our traditions that we still do and hold true to today. And then experience. Experience. 
You know, many of us probably grew up going to camps and retreats. And if you did, you probably, there was a moment where there was probably some song and praise and where you felt and experienced God in that moment. That's your mountaintop moments. And it may not have been a retreat. It may have been a whole other experience. But you have these mountaintop moments in your life because uh, they're important. They're important to hold on to because there's a lot of valleys in our lives as well, dark moments. And in those dark moments, we hold on to those experiences and when we felt God, even though, like in the song Waymaker, even though we may not see you or feel you, we know you're moving because of experience, because of Scripture, because of tradition, because of these things. We know you're there. We know God is there even though when we may not feel it because of these things. John Wesley, the theologian that we uh, learn from and how we uh, theologically re- uh, reflect in our denomination, he says that basically there's, there's three ways that we have the experience of God. One is through observation. Through observation. Through watching others. Through seeing how God is using others and their gifts and their fruits. It is how people share the love and grace of Jesus. And it's through that observation of that experience we gain is that how we see God moving. You know, there's probably people in our lives that we know that are definitely touched by the Spirit. And we know that because we see it and how they act and how they speak and, and what they do. It is in those experiences we see God work through them. And then we have our own experiences, right? We have experiences that the Spirit is moving through us. We feel that. We feel the Spirit moving through us. We feel those God moments. And we reflect on that. We search that. We seek that. We pray about how God is moving through us. But also through ways that and events that we have in our lives as well. I read the whole passage of the woman at the well because I wanted you to have the context of what was happening there. In the passage that we have today, Jesus is at Jacob's well. And a well is a place where people come together and gather and fellowship and talk and gossip and share and all of this stuff. Okay. Well, at noon, there was nobody at the well. It's the hottest part of the day. People needed to get their water earlier in the day for their tasks. So the morning time, evening time, or big uh, gathering times at the well. But the middle of the day, no one gathers. But Jesus knew that there was going to be a woman coming. A Samaritan. The one that the Jews of Jerusalem would not interact with. And he knew that this woman was coming because she was a little bit ashamed, probably. She had a, uh, a rough life. And she was going to come at a time where she wasn't going to see people. You know, we've all had moments where you just want to go to Kroger and not run into anybody because you may not look your best, right? Which is me all the time. Or, you know, you may have had something happen or you may have done something and you just don't want to see people. You don't want to talk about it. So you're going to go to Kroger probably at the time where there's not a lot of folks there, right? Or you might drive, since there's 5,000 Kroger's around here, you might drive to a different Kroger, right? Because if you're going to go to Kroger on the weekend, in the middle of the day, you're going to run into folks. Yesterday, I was on a mission, 
I'm always on a mission at Kroger. I hate grocery shopping. I plan out my list in the order of, that I'll run into the food items so I don't have to go back. And so I ran into Kroger, and I ran into like two or three people, and I went to a different Kroger. I just ran into folks because it was a Saturday afternoon, right? And it's not like I don't like to talk to folks. I just hate grocery shopping. I just want to get it over with. And so the woman at the well is kind of like us. When we go to Kroger, when we're not looking our best, when we're in our sweatpants and we don't have our hair fixed and all that kind of stuff. And ladies, you don't have your makeup on. You just want to run in and run out. This woman's running to the well at noontime, so she didn't run into anybody. But guess what? She ran into Jesus. And Jesus knew that he was going to run into this woman. And while he was at the well, he was talking to her. And he kind of called her out, which Jesus has the right to call us out, huh? And he said, you know, hey, what about your husband? And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, I know. He said, you've had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. And she was ashamed of that fact. She was ashamed of that fact. And he knew her past. But yet, guess what he did? He still offered love and grace. Right? He told her about this eternal water. This water that will never make you thirsty if you drink from it. Unlike the water at the well that's only temporary, he shared love and grace. He extended mercy. He showed her that despite whatever life she had, and we don't know the circumstances on why she's had five husbands. We don't. Some commentators will say that maybe she was barren and couldn't produce a child, and so the men would leave her. We don't know. You know, she may be judged differently by today's standards. But back then, it was shameful to have that many husbands, no matter the reason. Which is why she was running to the well when she would see no one. But Jesus offered love and grace and shared to her about this living water. And so she got excited about this. That despite her flaws and mistakes, despite her messiness, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one to come to save us all from ourselves and sin and death, was there to greet her. And to tell her that she is loved and that she has the opportunity, if she would choose, to drink of this living water. And so she went back to her town and she shared the good news. She shared the good news of her experience with Jesus Christ. She went and told her community of the good news. She is the, one of the first women evangelists sharing the good news, a Samaritan, somebody that you wouldn't think that Jesus would reach out to to be the mouthpiece of his mercy and grace, of his love. But yet through her experience, she went and told her community. Through our experiences, we can see that Jesus Christ is moving in our lives. Even in those moments where we don't see it and we don't hear it, we know that God is there. And so what do we do with that? How do we use those experiences? Well, one, I encourage you to hold true to those experiences. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep those experiences when God comes into your life. Don't keep those experiences when you you see God moving through others. Don't keep that experience to yourself when you feel the Spirit move within you. Go and share that experience. Don't be ashamed. Go and tell others. 
Because it's through your experience with Jesus Christ that others might get to know that love and grace that may have not heard of it before. You know? Everything that you have in your life, God can use to his glory. Just like he was able to use a woman by her, by her community standards, was an outcast, was a sinner. Someone that you didn't want to be seen at the well with, right? And she knew that. That's why she was going to the well at high noon. But one thing that we can do, one thing that I appreciate that John Wesley shared with us, is that it is through our experiences that we know that God is still alive and at work in this world. It is through our experiences that we know we are loved. And that God loves others. And so my prayer for us is that we're able to use those experiences. Value those experiences. Reflect upon those experiences, whatever they may be. And also to be hopeful for future experiences. And to use those to glorify God. And to share his message of love and grace to this broken world. Because guess what? We all know we're sinners. We all know we're not perfect. And we wake up each day with his new mercies and grace. And some days we'll do better than others. But in those experiences and those moments, may we not just hold them to ourselves. But may we share it. Because you know what? Going back to my original story of Disney World, if no one shared about their Disney experience, then who would go, right? Who would know about all the awesome opportunities you have? By the way, the best ride in Disney World, and I will fight anybody over this, is Guardians of the Galaxy. If you haven't done it at Epcot, it is, as I say, the key word today, an experience. That's all I got to say. You just got to do it. You can't watch it on YouTube. That's not the rule. You got to go and do it. If you're going to Orlando, do Guardians of the Galaxy. That's all I got to say. And then tell me about it, because I'll share my experience too. But... It is through our experiences, just like how we're excited about Disney World and these other things, we need to be that way with Jesus. May we be excited about the ways that God is using Jesus Christ in our lives. May we share that experience.